Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is time for our second Messianic checkpoint, and it is with the Gospel of Mark last Messianic checkpoint or the first one we went to the gospel of St. John, which was the longest gospel. Now we are going down to Mark. I don't know. Down to Mark is the best way to say it. We're going to Mark, which is the shortest of all four gospels. And again, joining us so grateful as always is Jeff Cavins, who's going to give us an intro to this second Messianic checkpoint to this gospel of St. Mark. So Jeff, thank you so much for, for being here and welcome. Well, it's a privilege to uh, to join you on this on this journey, and it's beautiful how how people can go uh, through the Bible and then every once in a while jump forward a little bit to <laughs> right. to see the fruit of what this whole story is about. And with four gospels, you know, each one of them has a little bit different emphasis, and together yeah. you you know you you get a full look at Jesus. But we don't just blend them together because each one of them is unique. They are, and, I, and it's one of the reasons why I love the fact that how we're doing this in this Bible in a year is we had all of John at once, you know, maybe I think a little over a week, seven or eight days, and then we have all of Mark now, you know, a number of a uh, month and a half later, and I think that there's something really powerful about that, that over the course of these next, uh, I think it's eight days, we're going to go through the gospel of Mark and be able to hear his voice in, in a unique way, which is different than, you know, John's voice and different than Matthew and Luke's. And so, yeah. The Gospel of Mark is remarkably unique. In fact, we have a, a missionary here who last year she said, "Oh gosh, I just I don't I don't like the Gospel of Mark. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> so um, it's too brief, it's too like staccato, it's too and and kind of downplayed it. And and then I handed her a commentary that is put out by I think it's some kind of publication. <laughs> it's a Catholic commentary on <laughs> sacred scripture. And and she said, "Oh my gosh, I Gospel of Mark is my favorite gospel from now on because it just." The, like you are about to say, the uniqueness of Mark's gospel not only makes it different, it makes it uh, remarkable. I mean, there's there's some things that are just fascinating that Mark highlights that aren't necessarily in the other gospels in the same way. Right. It, it's true. And, you know, and in fact, the early church didn't pay all, as much attention to Mark, um, I think because of the the brevity of, of the gospel. But I think the first the first actual commentaries that were written on it were not even until the eighth century. But in recent times, the lots of scholarship is being done on the gospel, on the gospel of Mark. So this gospel, while short, is really packed with some uniqueness that gives us a glimpse of Jesus and the work that he is doing. I guess I would start off by saying that. A lot of scholars believe that Mark was a real source for Matthew and Luke. Uh, you yeah, see about yeah. 90% of the stories that, that are shared there. In fact, it's an important point to, to make again, and that is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels. And by that, synoptic means to see the, with the one, one eye, with one vision, uh, and that, they, that some even believe that there was another source that they were using called Q, and that's all it gets into the weeds as far as theology right. goes. But it is, it is shorter. St. Augustine said that, that the Gospel of Mark was an abbreviated version of, of Matthew. That's what he thought. He thought it was. It was kind of like an expanded Cliff Notes, if you will. Right. Yeah. Just like, hey, if you want to get the the bullet points, here's Mark's gospel. Right. 
and the author is John. Uh, most people believe is John Mark, and uh, he is uh, not so well known in the New Testament. And some people believe that he was a relative of of Barnabas, and. Um, so, and there's another interesting thing about Mark and that scholars bring out, and then we'll get into some of the some of the unique things of of the gospel, is that it was really written in a layman's Greek, and some would say even even poor, and it was extremely plain Greek. Whereas you get into other parts of the New Testament, which are are pretty complicated Greek. It's really more of an upper scale Greek, if if you will. So. Here's what's really interesting. The overall structure of the Gospel of Mark can really be divided into two. In the first half, you have really uh, Mark focusing on the identity of Jesus as Messiah, as the mighty uh, Messiah, the Son of God. And then in the second half of Mark, it really concerns the mission of the Messiah. He begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, and then be killed and then rise from the dead. And so that's the kind of the basic uh, structure of, of the gospel. But there are a number of really unique things to Mark that you don't see in the other in the other gospels. There's an awful lot in common, but there are some things that that are unique. For example, a well-known phrase, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That's that's unique to Mark in chapter two. Another thing is that it's only in the Gospel of Mark that we read the parable about the growing seed in Mark chapter 4, where the kingdom of God is, is as a man who scattered seed on the ground and should sleep by night, rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, and first the blade, then the head, after the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So he's the, he's, that's his unique take on that. Also, another thing that, that is interesting is that Mark is the only one who talks about the pigs into which the demons mm. went into mm. in, in chapter Five. That's really, really very interesting. And he also is the one who uh, uses Aramaic at times when he talks about in Mark chapter 7, Talitha kum, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. So that's something that is unique about, about him as well. But I think one thing that people would be interested in knowing that in Mark chapter 6, Mark's gospel is the only one of the four gospels, which Jesus calls, is called the son of Mary, the son of Mary. And so it's talking about, again, those first eight chapters, the identity of Jesus as the powerful Messiah, the son, the son of Mary. And it also says in chapter six that he is called, that, it, uh, the, that he's called a carpenter. Right. And that's where we get that from, you know, that uh, while, while the gospel of Matthew states that he was the son of a carpenter. Son of the carpenter, yeah. Right, right. So that's, that's an interesting uh, part there. And there are a number of other uh, things that make this gospel unique that uh, people are going to run into. And that's kind of one of the challenges that I would encourage people to do is that as they read through it with you, to, to make note of the first half, the identity of Jesus. Just mark or underline, highlight, if you will, the identity of Jesus. And then, and then after that, to the end of the gospel, the mission 
of Jesus. So those are two things that people can can really really focus on. By the way, he's also the the only one who identifies himself as the as, as the author. Right. And and you know it's interesting you mentioned when it comes to the uh the identity uh, of Jesus, how often in other gospels as well, Jesus the messianic secret. So here is Jesus who gets revealed, you know, it's whether he um uh, a demon is saying we know who you are or whether that's uh, Jesus uh, does, a, does a miracle and then tells someone or right, so the demon says we know who you are and then he says be quiet uh, or <laughs> when he heals someone and the, then Jesus says don't tell anyone about this I know a lot of times especially when we were reading through the gospel of John people were <laughs> writing it and saying why doesn't Jesus want uh, people to know who he is why do people why does he want to hide from this identity what what's one of the answers that you oftentimes we'll, we'll give people when they ask, when they run into that messianic secret. Yeah. Well, that's so funny. You mentioned that because when I, when I read that years ago, I always thought it was reverse psychology. You know, he was saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't tell anybody about can't this do knowing can't do they're going to open their mouth, you know, uh, <laughs> not every day a boy gets a whitewash offense. You're not kind of thing. Little Tom Sawyer. Right. But I think that one of the reasons is, is that there is a timing to everything in, in, uh, in yeah. Jesus life and that he is revealing himself first to his disciples and, uh, to those around them and laying the foundation down as to who he was and there is a time uh, there's a time for everything in his life and uh, the real proclamation of his kingdom and who he was was through the through the disciples but that would come after the resurrection that would be premature to suddenly uh, the Romans and everybody else to say hey this guy is really a, a great king like the Maccabean revolt or David yeah. you know and to establish him as a king uh, renewing the kingdom that had yeah. kind of gone silent for years, and his kingdom was not like that. And his kingdom was was different, the kingdom of heaven. And so it, it was all in the in the timing, I believe, of that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, I, Cardinal Newman at one point he asked the question, "How come Jesus didn't just appear to everyone after he rose from the dead? And why did he only appear to his disciples?" And it's a, his answer is kind of similar to that, where he said the idea wasn't just the, so that people could see him. The idea was that the people who knew him could see him, that the people mm -hmm. who had a relationship with him could see him because then they right. could go and bear witness to him as opposed to the fickle crowds, as opposed to the, those who had no investment whatsoever in him who would say, yeah, sure, I saw this man raised from the dead, but that doesn't change my life at all. He said, it, it's a lot, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that sense of it's here's this relationship and out of this relationship comes a witness, bearing witness to his identity, not just mm -hmm. himself and not just his miracles and obviously not the demons, but these, uh, these apostles who are sent out who are no longer servants, but are friends who then get sent out into the world to not just bear witness to his miracles, not just bear witness to his resurrection, but bear witness to the one they know that the one mm -hmm. they're in relationship with. And yeah, that makes sense. You have to, as you said, we just finished the book of Ecclesiastes and <laughs> there's a season for everything. And this was not exactly. the season to be revealed uh, yet. No, there's it, a yet time for growth. And it, and it speaks to, I think the fact that he's in control of the narrative. Uh, he is not allowing mm. the public narrative to define his kingdom or when he yeah. should rise or what he should do. He is in control of that. And uh, you and I are both Mac fans. I mean, we use Macintosh. <laughs> we have for years. Yep. A lot of people have iPhones. And if you think back for a moment, when Steve Jobs was uh, developing all of that, you know, the, the, the Mac computer and the iPads, all of that, he was very, very careful to tell those around him, do not let this out. 
yet. Do not let it out on pain of firing, right? <laughs> right. And and so Apple had this they had this unique environment where nobody leaked things out ahead of time because there was a time to do it. Now I'm not equating the kingdom of heaven with Steve Jobs <laughs> and, and Apple, but it's the same type of thing and that is that we I am speaking to you as a small group here in the development of everything yeah. that I am giving you and there will be a time and I know that your natural inclination is to start to uh, record me and sell the tapes and everything else. I know that. But I don't want you doing that right now and so I think it's an incredible, well, it's an incredible thing because, you know, uh, Solomon was known as the builder in the Old Testament. Jesus is greater than Solomon. He is the master builder. And I think part of the master builder aspect is prudence on when and how the kingdom grows. And I think that just to make a note here, I do think the kingdom of heaven is better than Apple. So, <laughs> <laughs> just just as a sidebar, asterisk. Just a sidebar. Um, quick, uh, one one thing about you know the authorship of Mark's gospel. Here's here's Mark, um, who I, I think I, I've come across many people who have said that it is highly likely that as Mark and Peter were close, and, you know, Mark had traveled with Paul and Barnabas, and you know that that whole story, how that story went down. But then Mark and Peter were close. That this would be. Peter's gospel via Mark. Is is that is that important? Is that unique to highlight? Or is that kind of like just a fact or a uh, piece of trivia? Well, I, I've, I've, I've read that, you know, quite a few times where people talk about that idea. And uh, it, it certainly could, it certainly could be. I mean, a lot of the themes that he brings about are relating, are relating to those which Peter is, is interested in for sure. But I, I think that the, the real emphasis is on the identity of Jesus yeah. and the mission of Jesus, but uh, no doubt, no doubt, Mark learned from from Peter, you know, and uh, and it could be through through his eyes as well. A lot of the formation of Mark is different than the other Gospels, where there is an immediacy to to what he is telling you. In fact, what's interesting about it, about this Gospel, is that he uses 41 times, 41 times, the word immediately. <laughs> and so he's always talking about immediately, and it's an average of two times per chapter. Yeah, it's only that, 16 chapters. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, he's using it a lot for, so, for such a short book, and it, it really gives us, I think, a sense of a kind of a rapid-fire narrative. Uh, and so people who say, well, I don't like Mark because it's not as expansive as Luke and Matthew. Right. Well, this, this could be that rapid-fire look <laughs> at, the, at the gospel. Another thing that's, that's very interesting is the organization of the material in Mark. And what I mean by that is that uh, Mark has a way, of, he has a tendency, I should say, to organize the gospel by a tight type of material. So we have miracles, and, and you have parables, you have controversies, um, and it's not so much thematic like, you know, uh, faith and, and, uh, and, and that type of thing like you would expect. And it's important for the reader to realize that the material is is organized. It's not just a random telling, but he really is organizing it. But the one thing, Father, that I like about Mark, and when I teach this, I'm, I'm always using Mark to do this, and you can use the other Gospels as well, and that is that Mark utilizes in a masterful way Jesus' ability 
to use questions mm. when he teaches. And, uh, and Jesus uses over 10 different ways to, Im- to implement questions, that a question could be rhetorical. A question could be uh, a lesson in itself, like, you know, rhetorical. Um, He can use uh, questions to reveal a person's heart. He can use questions to to cut off those who are coming against him and trap them in in a way. And so I think that Mark really, really uh, showcases the the wisdom and the, the cleverness of Jesus in how he taught. And uh, he does this, and he also explains it. So, you know, some people think that the audience of Mark was Christians who were not as familiar with the Jewish backgrounds, and so Mark has a tendency to explain these things things, uh, to them so that they would understand in the same way that John, will see, does the same thing. He's going to bring up Jewish concepts, and then he kind of pauses and says, well, this is what it means. (laughs) Right. You guys don't know. Rabbi, which teacher, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, rabbi, which means which means teacher. Uh, and then there's one more thing, this last thing that I would uh, mention, and that is that uh, Mark's gospel is not just interested in concepts. His his gospel that he's giving us is focused on deeds. Yeah, and and that is really important because we as Catholics know, we as Christians know that God revealed Himself in words and deeds. And, and Mark focuses on those deeds, but our response to this revelation is, is, is like that. We respond with words and deeds as well. Yeah, that's, that's so good, because especially how action-packed Mark's gospel is, that mm-hmm. it's Jesus is going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and there's revealing, here's the actions of the Savior. Here's the actions of the Messiah. Um, as you mo- noted, the first half, if the identity of the Messiah, then here's the mission uh, of the Messiah. And it seems like, uh, gosh, I don't even know what the percentage is of Mark's gospel that is the percentage of time Mark spends on the crucifixion or like the at least the last 24 hours essentially of Jesus's life vastly outweighs proportionally uh, the other three gospels as well as even just the almost like the resurrection is a footnote but it's <laughs> it's not obviously it's a very important last piece that that con- concludes uh, his gospel but you have that recognition of here is Jesus whose heart is not only revealed as you said in what he's teaching but his mm-hmm. his heart is revealed his mission is revealed his identity is revealed in what he does which is just yeah it's super powerful um, yeah, and it's very, very compact. And you have in chapter 14, uh, starting with the Judas betraying Jesus, uh, the Passover with the disciples, the Last Supper, Peter denies the Lord, Jesus in Gethsemane, uh, his arrest, he's before the council, Peter denies Jesus. That might be why some scholars think that this is really the the, the gospel through the eyes of Peter, because he right. really does get into that. And then Jesus before Pilate. Um, Jesus being mocked, the crucifixion, uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And then when you when you look at your Bible, they're all like they're all compact paragraphs, you know, right, right. several several sentences that goes boom, 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 and <laughs> and lay and lays it all out, and then ends with him appearing to Mary Magdalene, to the uh, to the two disciples, and then the disciples as a whole, and then comes the final statement, which we also see in Matthew, and that is the the call to go into all the world now and preach the gospel to the whole of creation. 
And that gospel is what we call the kerygma, which the basics are that God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. Sin has interrupted this plan. Jesus has died for you, and now he's asking you to repent, to radically reorient your life to him, and to be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, and to join his magnificent family, and then go out into the world yourself and make disciples. And, and that's, how, that's how it ends. And it, it, the final statement is that the Lord, I love this, it's the very last verse, verse uh, 20 of Mark 16, and they went forth and preached everywhere, and I love this part, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by signs that attended it. And it ends with amen. And I like that so much, that last that last verse, because after, after I, revealing who he is in the first you know, uh, eight chapters, and then the following chapters talking about his mission. Then he invites his followers to go on that mission, and he says that if you will proclaim the gospel, I'm going to be with you, and I have the heavy lifting job here, and that is (laughs) I'm going to confirm the message in the hearts of the people that you speak to. You don't have to do heart surgery. You don't have to get in there and figure them out. You just have to tell them the good news. And I have just spent 16 chapters telling you the good news and who he is. Now go out and get him. It's so good. And it's what it would a gift to be able to be again on this journey and have this messianic checkpoint where we get to be reminded of with all the mess, with all the United Kingdom, but ups and downs with all the divided kingdom coming on its way and exile that we have this story that the fulfillment or in many ways of the old covenant in Jesus Christ and bringing us into this part of this story and making us a part of this story. And as you said, here is, as they went out and preached, the Lord confirmed the Lord did. Mm-hmm. He was, he didn't leave them orphaned. He didn't leave them abandoned. He didn't leave them alone. Didn't leave them powerless, but he's the one who's, he is the one, he is the one who continues to bring fruit to the works of Christians around the world. Now, Jeff, one last thought, if you have, as we launch into these next eight days of uh, listening to and praying through Mark's gospel, any, any last pieces? Well, I think one is two. One is that as you, as you read through the gospel of Mark, I would encourage people to pay attention to who he said he was and and then and then to pay attention to his mission and really pay attention to that highlight it um mark it because his mission is your mission and when he sends you out he's not sending you out to just build church buildings he is sending you out with a message and that message is not dependent in the proclamation of that message is not dependent upon your skill level you know a lot of people will say well i don't i don't share christ with other people because that's not my gift <laughs> and using that logic i have often said well when it comes to the offering in mass that's not my gift so i will <laughs> give the basket to somebody else who has that gift and the truth is that uh, evangelization is is a gift that has been given to all of us. It's the responsibility of of all of us, and uh, and he, and God is just simply looking for faithful disciples who will continue to spread this story. So while we come to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, it's really not the end because it's still going on today, and even past the Book of Acts into uh, the entire world. But I do have one last thing, and I know you like this kind of stuff, Father. <laughs> you know, in, in software, like your iPhone or your Android device, 
they have what they call Easter eggs. And an Easter right. egg is like a hidden little gem in there that some of you will find it, some of you won't. And I'll give you a hint about this little Easter egg here. And that is in chapter 14 of Mark's gospel, at the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus, it says in verse 51, and a young man followed him. Well, it starts earlier. Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but the scripture, but let the scripture be fulfilled. And they all deserted him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Odd text, different kind of text. And I'll leave, I'll leave you with this for our, our, our listeners. Who do you think that young man was? That's a good question. Okay. Who do you think that young man was? Did leave should us I with tell the question? You not with the answer. I think we probably should know. I mean, it'd be okay. maybe helpful. Most think it was Mark. Mark himself. Mark the young man. Yeah. Himself. Just this opportunity for him to share. I was part of the story. I, that that was me. Yeah, Man. which is typical of of the disciples. That if, like John says in his gospel, he talks about the the, the disciple that Jesus loved. Yeah, he doesn't mention himself, but he says the one he loved. Not that he doesn't love the other ones, but that's that's how his he identified with him, the one that he loved. Yeah, that's so good. Wow, what a gift. Um, I'm so grateful. Jeff, thank you so much for this intro to Mark, our second Messianic Checkpoint. I hope that it's been a blessing to everyone who's been listening to us. I know that every time I get a chance to talk with Jeff about the upcoming time period, it is just, it's it's a massive blessing for me. I hope it's a blessing for you. I just want to let you know that we continue to pray for you. Please keep praying for us. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Mm-hmm.